Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today's guest, I'm really looking forward to speaking to actually. We're going to go in depth about a number of different things coming into this space of cryptocurrency and digital assets. I've got Muneeb Ali, CEO and co-founder of Blockstack. So thanks so much for your time, mate. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Mate, I'm, uh, I'm very interested in what you're working on. We're going to get to that. But before we do, do you want to just tell us a little bit about I guess what brought you into this space and um, yeah, why are you here? Yeah, so my background is actually in uh, computer science and distributed systems. I did a, a PhD uh, at Princeton University. So for the last like decade or more, I've basically been doing research work on um, like internet protocols, computer networking, trying to improve uh, the, the the underlying infrastructure for the internet. And um, I uh, started this company because we saw this uh, large opportunity where cutting edge research from, um, from, from academia uh, can actually be commercialized mm -hmm. and it can have a potentially a larger impact that way instead of kind of like, you know, like staying in the lab and uh, just building like pro prototypes and uh, and, and, and taking that route. So I, I ended up like not going down the faculty route uh, and, and just went to Silicon Valley and, and raised capital to take some of these ideas about making the internet more decentralized, more secure, uh, more private for users and actually, actually implementing that. Uh, and interestingly, like part of the reason was also um, if you, if people who are familiar with academia, even, even at, you know, uh, like top universities, there's a lot of overhead uh, involved with, you know, writing research grants for the National Science Foundation and the, the check sizes aren't that big. And plus the uh, direct impact on people's lives, like commercializing something in yep. my view uh, is, a, is, a, is a much better way of doing that. So, so we, we ended up um, going through Y Combinator, which is a, um, it's a, it's a, it's a as a program where companies like you know Dropbox and Airbnb have been through it, a lot of like uh, top startups in uh, Silicon Valley go through that program, and then uh, we effectively raise a seed capital, which which pointing it back to the NSF stuff that I'm, I'm talking about about writing, writing grants, uh, raising a seed round like it was like around 1.3 million dollars was way easier than uh, writing a hundred-page doc and you know submitting it to the National Science Foundation for a uh, for approval. Doesn't come with any surprises there, mate. And how long, is it, how long has, has Blockstack been up and running, so to speak? Is it, you know, how many years old is it brand spanking new? Where are you up to? Yeah, so um, Blockstack, uh, for people who are uh, kind of like a little bit familiar with crypto, uh, they would know about Ethereum. It's a, it's a very kind of like uh, well-established um, uh, blockchain project. And interestingly, Blockstack actually predates it a little bit. Wow. Uh, I, uh, we, we, I started Blockstack with my co-founder, uh, who I also met at Princeton uh, in 2013. And we've taken just a very, very uh, different approach uh, from Ethereum, right? So it's a, it's a group of computer scientists who raised venture capital uh, to do R&D work, like hardcore R&D work. Uh, we took our, so we were building kind of like the foundational layer uh, that needs to be extremely scalable and secure. And we, 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 we effectively 
once we were done with the R&D uh, on it, we uh, took our work to peer-reviewed uh, kind of like computer science conferences and published it, right? So a lot more thought went into the core design and the, and the foundations. Uh, and then I think this roughly took us like around three to four years, the initial stages of that. And in, in that way, like we've done um, a lot of the hard work like upfront, whereas uh, some of those same challenges, so, you know, challenges like scalability, Ethereum, for example, um, in, in, in around 2017 was struggling a lot uh, with scalability when even a single application on top um, couldn't reach like 500,000 users. Right? So the, very famously, this was the CryptoKitties app yeah. and uh, it, was just, it was just clogged the entire network yeah, and network, no yeah. transactions. Yeah, no transactions would go through. And it's, it's, it's fundamentally by design. It's just how Ethereum is built. Right? And now uh, they are trying to build Ethereum 2.0 and they're giving a timeline of like, you know, three to five years. And I can, I can understand, I, can, I, I still disagree with their approach, like the technical approach that they're taking. Um, they're kind of like doubling down on what, what I consider like a mistake in the, in the fundamental architecture. Uh, and, but we have, that work is behind us, right? So we were in a very like disciplined way, we moved from the R&D phase to infrastructure building phase, uh, raised a series A round, uh, this was, uh, this, is, this is a little bit bigger, around $4 million, uh, and, and uh, started kind of like rolling out our technology, uh, basically building it out and, and, and started getting for like developers to test it and so on. And then uh, we uh, started getting ready for the launch of the blockchain because the blockchain is a very kind of like small component uh, in the grand scheme of things of the overall architecture. It's really what the, the thing that we have built is a very natural evolution of cloud computing, right? But instead of relying on large companies like Google or Facebook or Amazon, uh, you have this decentralized computing um, uh, network, and 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 users are kind of like in, in control of their own on their own data. And the the blockchain plays a fundamental role in it, but it's not the only thing. There's a lot of other layers and complexity that goes into it. And so when we were launching our our, our blockchain, we uh, we started looking into uh, legal frameworks as well. And again, you know, there's just the kind of like the culture and the DNA of our team is that we want to do things very properly at, at, at high quality standards. And, and we ended up taking a very different approach where uh, we, this is 2017, uh, and we were setting up these Delaware funds uh, and investors were effectively becoming like limited partners in the funds. And we had these self-imposed milestones on the project. So we raised $47.5 million in 2017, but got like fairly sophisticated investors involved. And the interesting thing is this is during the uh, kind of like uh, uh, the, the wild west year of, uh, of crypto yeah. when people could just raise money by, you know, throwing anything on a website mm. uh, kind of thing. Whereas our team, just to show discipline, had uh, self-imposed milestones on us. The first, first milestone was building out the blockchain and actually successfully launching, uh, and that would and the money would remain in the funds. Only twenty percent of the money was coming out as R and D, uh, and the rest would we would unlock when we actually deliver uh, on the technology. Right. So um, that happened. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say I mean, the, the the delivery. 
Uh, I understand the uh, the rest have been kept in escrow until a certain milestone's hit. I think that's a really good way of doing things. You've obviously got um, intelligent investors involved who have put that down. It's not like your typical, you know, just give me all your money and just, you know, hope that I get it, which most ICOs did. And we'll cover that in just a moment. But um, what is the, what stage are you at now? And what can we expect yep. in the not to do some future? Yep, absolutely. So, uh, so in Q4 uh, of 2018, we launched the blockchain and uh, we are in the developer traction phase, right? So uh, now like we have kind of like polished the interface for developers and the tools that developers have. And we have noticed uh, independent startups or independent apps built on, on our network going from 17 at the start of Q4 to 46 by the end, then from 46 to 86 in Q1 and from 86 to 170 now uh, after Q2, right? So Im imagine that this is, this is like independent teams and startups built on top of us, and we are extremely excited about getting all these applications. And, and, and the applications range from alternatives to Google Docs, uh, alternatives to photo sharing, professional networking, uh, like social networks, or uh, there's like a one password alternative, uh, DocuSign alternative. So it's all these real services and they scale to millions of users today. Right. And that's, well, that's the, the, I can see you've got some massive headlines here. Like just to talk to that whole, um, you know, the different areas that you're able to build or sorry, that are able to build on. I mean, you've got Washington Post saying the new technology that aspires to delete Facebook for good wide says this startup could sell you crypto tokens with SEC backing, which I think you've, um, you've pretty much become the first qualified uh, offering um, like a token sale in US history recently. That's a very recent uh, addition, right? You, you've just been given that? It's, it's, uh, it's last week, right? So the, the, the offering that I'm talking about from 2017 uh, it, it pained me a lot to kind of like, ex uh, we had to exclude uh, investors who are not accredited investors from that offering. And most of our core community and developers, they're not accredited investors. Like they don't have like a $1 million network or, or other conditions that you need to meet to be, uh, to be an accredited investor. So what we did was we actually gave our uh, community uh, members who wanted to participate these vouchers. And we told them, let, let us work on a legal framework and we will honor the same 12 cents price for you uh, uh, as everybody else who was participating in 2017. And, and we are literally honoring that now. It took us 10 months of work uh, with the SEC to basically get the qualification. And we had to work on a new legal framework. Like imagine the securities regulations have been around since 1933. And they're, they're usually for equity in a company, right? It's the yeah. first time that the SEC has qualified something which is a crypto asset. It's not equity in a company, right? Yeah. And, and the filing that we have done is it's similar to kind of like a mini IPO filing. Like you have like audited financials, all, all information about our project, our, our directors, myself, like everyone who's important to the company is fully disclosed with all the risk factors, which I actually think is a healthy thing for this ecosystem. We are helping mature this industry, not just on the technology side, R&D side, but also on, 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 on the regulations framework as well. 
makes sense. And it's a, it's a really big step in the right direction. I mean, we'll talk to uh, the type of investors I think are coming into the markets at the moment. Um, I truly believe that we're going to see a more mature, uh, larger net or higher net worth type individuals opposed to sort of, um, you know, your crypto kids. And I don't say that to be uh, insulting at all. It just, you know, it, it's a, it's a good, I think it's a good analogy for uh, the space as it had been sort of leading into 2017. A lot of, you know, a lot of really strange behaviour. Let's be honest, uh, very strange behaviour. Um, what we're probably not so used to in the, I guess, financial world. Um, and, and it was very, very interesting. I, I do definitely see nowadays in Australia with self-managed super funds, uh, and, and you know, other parts of the world, similar sorts of things in pensions and all that sort of thing. A, a much higher demand for that more affluent person to come into this space, seeing it as an actual asset class, as opposed to just some funny internet money. Much the same as. We saw in the dot-com boom, we've obviously seen a boom in 96 and then again in 2000, the 2000 boom had a massive bust. And that was the one that sort of brought the attention of the internet and you know, all the different things that were built on top of it to the world in you know, a really, really big way. Following that, out of the top five companies in the world, I think three of them, uh, Amazon and Google, uh, eBay's up there as well. Facebook obviously came along a little bit later, um, but now there's some of the biggest companies in the world by, based on market cap. So these people are aware uh, Phoenix does rise from the ashes and they've seen Bitcoin. Well, they see Bitcoin because it's the one that captures the headlines and they've seen the space re, I guess, come back up. And uh, I think we're seeing a new, a new generation of investor, uh, a much more savvy investor and investors with much deeper pockets. So um, it's, uh, it's actually, that, I'll segue straight into my next question based on that uh, around the raising. I mean, obviously you've, you've, you've done your seed, your series A, where are you up to now? What comes next? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, on the on the equity side, we we effectively just did, did the Series A, and after that, uh, even our existing investors they uh, they include Union Square Ventures. Like Union Square Ventures is famous for uh, being an early investor in Twitter and Coinbase. Uh, the board member Albert, who sits on the board with me, he's taken companies like Twilio, MongoDB Public, so like developer tools. And has been there. They're considered like one of the top investors in the U.S. And uh, they uh, have been investing on the token side since then. Yep. Right? So we have we have we have never done an equity round since. Uh, all capital that we raised uh, since kind of like deciding to launch a blockchain has been for these token offering. Uh, and I, I don't I don't have any plans for for doing any uh, equity rounds. Well, who would if you can avoid it, right? <laughs> I mean, we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into our businesses. I mean, hang on as much as you possibly can if you can. So, uh, with with that being said, I mean, what is what's really the difference? I mean, we've seen ICOs. We we talk of STO. There's a whole bunch going on out there. IEOs, the latest you know fad that's going on. Um, what's the difference here? Like, why do you stand apart? Why does Block stack stand apart from uh, the traditional ICO because I do know a lot of people. As soon as you say ICO, they just glaze over and go, "No, thank you." It's just easier to put it in the too hard box because many people are so used to self gratification, sorry, instant gratification, uh, coming through the 2017 boom, which you could literally throw a dollar at anything and it would go up. Um, and now, because you've actually got to do some research, they're like, "No, that's far too hard." So, what does make it different? What is different about block stack this time? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the the first thing I already kind of mentioned it a little bit is just the level of uh, transparency, right? Like we have a 182 page filing that discloses every single thing anyone would need to know about this offering, right? Including all the risk factors and disclosures, audited financials, 
and and I think what this effectively does is that it uh, kind of like uh, reduces this like information asymmetry between uh, kind of like in, uh, project insiders and the general public. All right, and that's a, I think that's a very good thing. The the second thing is that it's a, because it's a regulated offering. Uh, like we have to uh, follow proper uh, kind of like procedures and and, and protocol around around things. Like uh, and in in certain ways, like there are uh, SEC regulations in place that are there to kind of like protect the public uh, U.S. securities markets, and we are operating within that framework, right? Like uh, like I like we. Like, like there are a single email going out to like any of our investors needs to get like all legal reviews and yeah. like that level of scrutiny there. Like, You're following um, a yellow brick road laid down by the SEC, which is um, a path that's been traveled many times. It gives you a good framework to work from a level of responsibility. And with that itself, it gives, uh, it gives the investor, the token holder or the uh, prospective investor, the confidence that um, this is not wild west anymore. This is a proper company and the way that you're doing it instead of an IPO is to do it through the listing of a security token. Right. So, and the, and the token itself is, is, um, uh, is a utility token, right? Interestingly, uh, again, this we disclose in our offering, that outside of the U.S., there are many jurisdictions that uh, treat it as a utility, clearly. I mean, it has utility on the network. There are 170 apps. It is used in, in those apps. We're registering usernames using these tokens. But in the U.S., given the, the way the, their uh, framework works uh, here, we are complying with security regulations for the short term. And then we discuss uh, this path where even in the U.S., it can become abundantly clear to the regulators as well that this is this is not a security and it's a, it's a utility. Right. So one one other thing about this offering is I think you mentioned IEOs like people started doing that and I always use these terms in quotes like I hate the term ICO I hate the term IEOs uh, and over there it's it's like this weird thing where they are trying to create. Uh, FOMO and they're trying to yeah. uh, sell out in an hour and, and you know, basically pe pe trying to make people like make rush decisions. Yeah. And we're the exact opposite of that, right? Like we're like, this offering is, uh, is uh, open by default for 60 days. We are actually letting smaller checks in first because we want to optimize for a, a wider distribution. You need a bigger uh, so distribution check, network, yeah. Yep. So the smallest check size is, uh, is actually $100 and uh, in many ways, like the smaller investors have a, a better chance of getting in because uh, anyone who's trying to put in more than $200,000 uh, actually gets uh, uh, flagged in the flow. They can't complete the, uh, the, the sale uh, and they have to manually talk to us. And it is by design, right? Like, so if, you're, uh, if anyone who want, wants to put in more than $200,000, they would end up like talking to the team and you want to understand like, you know, why they want to invest, are they really good uh, for our long-term ecosystem and, and, and so on. So we are, we are, we want to give everyone time. We want to then do actually go through the, all the, all the details. And then if they feel comfortable, only then uh, you know, try and participate.
Well, it makes perfect sense for both you and them to have that level of confidence in each other to understand, make sure that it's uh, also another level of due diligence. So um, it makes everybody happy when it comes around to the uh, audits and whatnot that need to be done and making sure that you are SEC compliant. So look, we'll go back, we'll double back onto this in just a moment so everyone can find out where to find more information about this project in particular, if they want to get involved, want to read through it, get understanding of it, we'll make sure that they know where to go. But what I want to jump into now, we've still got some time, is a very simple question for you, mate. Is Libra good or bad? Yeah, so I, I get asked about Libra a lot. Like uh, recently, I've, I think I've been on like CNBC and Yahoo Finance and everywhere I go, people ask me the, the Libra question. And my, my response is that I'm uh, cautiously optimistic. I, I know the team that is uh, like David Marquez and uh, like other people who are involved. I do think that at least the team that I've interacted with, the team that is in charge of Libra, they have good intentions. Um, I can't say that about Facebook, the company. The, the company has done certain things in the past that uh, has the, the questionable business practices, in my view. Uh, so with that said, the, the difference between Blockstack and, and Libra is that Blockstack is an open network. Uh, it's permissionless. Anyone can participate. Libra is a permission network. Like it's like fairly in control of a few kind of like companies, really. And uh, the, the other thing is that we have done all of the R&D and hard work of building uh, scalable systems. It's more like a, think of that as a, um, we have built the foundations and the technology and now developers are building the apps. And yep. the next stage for, for us is uh, usage. Like there are some users, but it's not the focus right now. But then imagine getting lots of users on these apps. Facebook has yep. the exact opposite thing. Yeah. They have users on a single app Yep. They want to now build the technology and then try and get developers to build the apps. The issue that I have, uh, or the challenge that I think that they're going to have, is that how are developers going to trust them? Right? Like, why would they go and build on top of something that Facebook is building versus building on top of something that is open and open source and anyone can participate or it doesn't have a history of, you know, um, uh, kind of like uh, breaking people's trust. Uh, uh, early on. But you know why? I mean, look, you, you're asking a question you know the answer to. The reason they're doing that is because they've got the user base. The reason they're doing that is because they can. It doesn't necessarily make it the best, but they can do it and they're going to do it. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, Facebook has all of our data. They know more about you and I than what you and I do, right? I've avoided Facebook forever until we started the business because it's an integral part of you know, what we do, right? You, you've got to have some form of uh, reach on the social media platforms. Now, you know, from my point of view, I, I see it. I mean, think of it this way. If, we, if they know our spending habits as well, you know, if, if, I'm, if I own Starbucks and I know how much, how much people spend, what they spend it on, where they spend it, at what time of the day they spend it, what the weather's like, when they spend it, if, if it's a nice day, they'll spend more. If it's a shit day, they'll spend less then it gives me insight and further data that is going to help me to convert into more sales, therefore more revenue and more shareholders that are happy. I can totally understand why they're doing it. Is it good? The good thing I see is that at least there's more people that are out there. Now, if somebody goes in and goes digital currency or digital asset into Google, they're going to end up in that same rabbit hole. The most of the people that are listening to this, uh, yourself and me included, that are talking on this are going to go down and guess what? Bitcoin cannot be shut down. So from that point of view, I think it's the best bit of PR we could ever have in the industry. As far as the nitty gritty, the detail, the analytics, yada, yada. Look, there's no bloody way in the world I'd trust them with anything, anything, anything additional than what they've already got from me. No way. No way known. But that's me. Um, I think a lot of people are just going to do things the simple way. Prime example. 
look at this face app that's going around. Everyone's taking a photo of themselves with an old face. No one reads the fine print. Their face could be on a billboard in Russia or in Mexico because Facebook now owns that image. You know, it's, it, people go for easy. They go for instant gratification. They, but they want it now. They want it simple. They want to get a like. They want to be known. It's, it's, a, it's a truly millennial world right now. And it's a scary looking world because people are taking advantage of it. So the technology, I agree, sketchy, right? The advert, the best thing ever. Cryptocurrency, Facebook currency, Libra. Eh, I think they're going to have a bit of an uphill battle before they get anywhere near having something out there. So a very, very interesting. Final question. For 2019, of course, we have seen the market come good once again. We've seen a 344% move from the lows of December of 2018, the highs, which we saw just last month. We, um, we have seen a lot more positivity coming into the space. We've seen the legitimacy of crypto assets being brought up by Facebook. Um, and you know, one of the most innovative companies in the world, like them or hate them, they are innovative. They're, they're a massive organization and they have the eyes of a lot of people. So again, more positivity, more and more positivity. What do you think is going to drive, if we are to see Bitcoin continue to move to the upside this year, what do you think is going to drive that? Yeah, so I, I do think that uh, one way to model this is just looking uh, at Bitcoin as a technology uh, yep. in the somewhat early stage of adoption. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we can, we can look at some numbers. Uh, I believe the last time I looked like Coinbase or other large um, wallets, they still have users in 30 or 40 million type ranges, right? So we're not even, not even clearly in hundreds of millions yet. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Like we're, we're, we're not, like the entire crypto industry is not even the size of like a Twitter. No. Right? Uh, and so that's how early in, in, in general we are. And these users are like, some of them are, have just kind of like bought once and then forgot about it. Yeah. Uh, it, it, there's a difference between having an engaged user yeah, or, 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 or being passive. And I think as the word spreads, and I completely agree with you on, on you know, your summary of uh, how our Libra could be good for this industry. Actually, I think, it's almost like we, we were thinking the exact same thing because I, I tweeted out yesterday that uh, thank you, Mr. Zuckerberg, <laughs> for financing this free publicity for crypto. And yep. it, just, it's, it just went viral and that's exactly what, what you're saying. And, and I think uh, things like these and, uh, would bring more attention to crypto. And our hope is really that, uh, the, like, especially from the block stack perspective, what we want to do is we want to give real, get real alternatives in the hands of people. Like imagine there are so many people who hate the fact that their data is being used. But then at the end of the day, they don't have any, any real alternative. It's not like they have a choice. Can I be not be on Facebook uh, or some other uh, company like this and have a similar uh, utility out of an app? That's what we are trying to do. That we have enabled applications that give you the same performance. They're not clunky and slow. They give you the same performance as cloud computing. Uh, they, your data is secure and, and you can have a real alternative where you can even like where interestingly, like imagine like a mass migration that at some point happened from like MySpace to Facebook. It's entirely possible that that, that can happen, right? And the next uh, thing that people move to might be a decentralized network where, and, and it, it, because users would own kind of kind of like their own uh, social graph and imagine uh, like you run a business imagine like if one day suddenly even youtube is like hey we're just cutting you off yeah. 
you're you're running a business and your followers are, are important to you. And if businesses uh, start moving to these decentralized networks like Blockstack, they actually directly own uh, the followers which are important uh, for their business. Mm. Makes sense. Well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and learning more about Blockstack. Of course, if you do want to dig deeper, then please let us know, Maneev, exactly where we can find out more information. Yes. So, um, stackstoken.com is the site for the uh, SEC qualified public offering, uh, which, which started last week. And as I said, it's open by default for 60 days. There are certain things that can trigger kind of like an earlier close but it's uh, by, by default, it's open for 60 days. The project itself um, uh, and, and the technology, people can uh, read about it on blockstack.org. And I'm uh, personally pretty, pretty active on Twitter uh, and, and uh, I can be reached at Muneeb, uh, M-U-N-E-E-B. Excellent. Well, look, mate, it's, uh, it's, Definitely fascinating what you guys are doing over there. You've been at it for a long, long time. I wish you all the best of success. I'm sure you're going to do very well as you are quite established. You seem to be quite level-headed and have a very clear uh, and distinctive plan that you wish to uh, follow. Uh, and you've gone through a, different, you know, a, a more traditional approach. You're running it like a business. And I think I appreciate that more than anything. It's, it's good to see good people in this space. It's good to see good projects. It's good to see good ethics. And it's good to see some regulation coming in. So I applaud you on all of the above. Ladies and gentlemen, Maneep Ali, CEO and co-founder of Blockstack. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. This was, this was fun. Ladies and gentlemen, have a fantastic day. Get over to Blockstack and check it out. Bye for now.